Welcome to Real Booked with Lindsay and B, where we reflect on the parallels between bestsellers and blockbusters for laughs and social disruption. I'm B Jordan of BlueCouchLibrary.com, and I read the book. And I'm Lindsay Howie of MyRelationshipWin.com, and I watched the movie. Do you want to go fix it? No, I'm good. Okay. It's kind of cute. Kind of. <laughs> Hi, B. Hi, Lindsay. How are you today? I am pretty good. That's good. Yeah. It feels really early. I think it's just because the sky is still really gray. Mm-hmm. So, all of the coffee, which seems to be a running theme in my life. It is that time of year when I never know if it's going to be spring or summer or winter or what's going to be happening outside. Hey, Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, this week I was reading um, a book about backyard beekeeping. I did not watch a movie <laughs> about... Backyard beekeeping. No, I'm just kidding. I actually, this is uh, the second episode in our three-part series on The Hunger Games. The Hunger Games! May the odds be ever in your favor. Oh, are they not? Ever. (laughs) I think that's the point. That's the whole point! Also, Catching Fire, like, the title of that book is like... That happens in an instant. Mm. If you don't realize, like, how much time or lack thereof, like, (laughs) happens in this whole... How much everything is very much on fire immediately. (laughs) Everything's on fire. Oh, my God. Yeah, the second part in the trilogy is always, like, very, um, very anxious making. (laughs) Generally. Because there's a lot that happens and mostly doesn't get resolved and it typically ends on a low note yeah yeah but i mean with it being a dystopian series like the low notes and the ending points are always like just that next fish hook that like yes keep dragging you forward towards the next yeah climactic moment yeah it's yeah and they use the same director oh yeah more coffee lens? Yeah. <laughs> How was right the movie? Now, actually. Um, it was interesting. The points that I noticed that were different weren't different enough to really do much on their own. Um, but there were some interesting things that um, it could potentially do to if you've only seen the movie and you haven't read the book like there was a lot more romantic interest between Gale and Katniss um so just more kissing more like reciprocation than was there in the book because she was not particularly receptive okay so the we brought up the relationship component in our last video but we didn't really talk speak to it which is great because most of the love triangle stuff starts in this book. Yeah. 
Um, it's definitely alluded to in the first book, but mm-hmm. the thing about Katniss is that she's not at all romantically interested in anyone. She's actually, part of her trauma response is that she does not want to become romantically entangled or start a family. Like, that is not, that's, that's not even not on her list of things to do. That's on her list of things to explicitly avoid. Correct. So putting her in the center of a love triangle is like, Really, really messed up for yeah. a lot of reasons. Um, she explicitly does not want that, mm-hmm. right? Um, which you don't really get watching the movie. Um, no, because it's like a point that she comes back to again and again and again in the books. It's like she doesn't want that. She doesn't want a family. She doesn't ever want to become involved in that way. Yeah, and that's not even addressed in the movie. And that's not um, that's not as blatantly articulated, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's hesitation, but there's also just more instances where um, you know Gail kisses Katniss, and she's not necessarily um, uh, you know <laughs> she's not necessarily anti, <laughs> right. which is not the same thing which... as kisses. It's not at all the same thing as consent. God. But Katniss doesn't consent to, I mean... No, in that scenario, Peta and Katniss, neither one of them can consent, whether it's a matter of Peta being all in and Katniss not really. It doesn't matter. He also doesn't have consent in that scenario because they're obviously playing for a crowd instead of themselves. And the lines are are very awkward to maneuver between the two of them. Of like, what are we doing because we care about each other because there is a relationship? And what are we doing because we need to be kissing to stay alive? No, and that is the thing. Yeah. It's like up until um, the initial reaping, right? Katniss is all about survival. And so Gail, in his role as friend, like even that took a long time for them to warm up to and it wasn't like a childhood thing it's she literally has protected herself from everyone around her for fear of what will happen if they know my true thoughts Mm -hmm. like she is so isolated and within herself and those aren't the things that you really understand by watching the movie those are the things that you come to understand by reading the book or having the book read to you Mm -hmm. so there's a a depth of awareness that you don't necessarily have if you're only observing these characters from the Hollywood perspective that's presented in the movies. Um, It sounds like another thing that the movie did differently is it gives you more insight into the the rebellions happening in the districts. That is accurate, for sure. So the, um, the big reveal in Catching Fire is that there is a large group of people who are actively rebelling. District 13 does exist, and um, basically, you know, Katniss is, is the symbol of the rebellion, and these people who are close to her, including Haymitch, know about it, are actively involved in it, and are manipulating her into her role. Um, and that's all of that is a big. Uh, a big reveal to Katniss um, in the books and mostly the audience Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Um, It's got to be a little bit less of a shock or a shock in a different way in the movie. So uh, in a different way, for sure. Um, The Capitol's explicit involvement in 
creating the qu- the quarter quell in order to re- like that's alluded to in the book. Right. It's made explicit in the movie, where the hang uh, not Hamish the game maker the new head game maker, um I and his name. that's Plutarch? yes. Heavensby. Heavensby Plutarch. There we go. Plutarch Heavensby? I don't know. He has two last names. It's <laughs> One really... of them's the first name. Dude, We're not sure which. new game maker who ends up being on the the rebellion side of mm-hmm. <laughs> this whole... <laughs> Shenanigans. Yes. <laughs> um, he actually is, in the movie, advising President Snow to reap from the existing victors and that was a way to get half of the victors on Katniss's side and ensure that the rebellion could be kicked off. So the whole entire thing is a ploy and we see explicitly that the capital is behind these things whereas in the book it's still kind of um, eluding that you know that may be happening. Right in the in the book that's actually that plot point has shifted because uh, Plutarch told Katniss whether he was being truthful or not but in the end he told Katniss that when he warned her about the clock because he showed her his clock and said it starts at midnight he was trying to give her a clue about the The arena the arena Mm -hmm. but at that point in time he did not know that they were going to be that the pool was going to be existing victors so he wasn't involved in that in the book that's just an interesting plot that we know of Right, um, because there's still because the he, concept of the capital and President Snow's involvement to Katniss in the book is still very abstract. Like, it's probably been manipulated in this way, she thinks. Right, but it's much more explicit, especially at the beginning of the book when he's sitting in her study in oh, District yeah. 12. Like, obviously, he is very, very, like... This is your fault, Katniss, and you can either Which make is... me believe that it's not or die. And everyone that you love is going to die. And, like, he does the same thing. I'm curious about what they, that um, interaction was really for. Because it's not like she was ever going to be the one to put a stop to what was happening. No, but I do think that um, it helped her, again, isolate Right, because her her instinct is to pull away, right? Right, like it's going to be. I'm going to keep this to myself, and I'm going to try to protect everyone on my own. Whereas, if he wouldn't have done that, I think she more naturally would have gravitated towards becoming the Mockingjay symbol on her own through her own, like the way that we saw her speech go in District Eleven. Yeah, and she, then as soon as she had, like, she saw that impact, and she was like, "Oh my god, I didn't want him to die for me." Like, she likely would have ended up uh, being less isolated from Hamish and Peta during the that process, that tour so, because, process, yeah. of, right? The the victory tour or yeah. whatever. And that's why this book was really weird because you see that whole um, scenario play out where she is a new victor and now she has to go and carry on these victor roles. But then as soon as she gets done with that, the next announcement is, oh, hey, you're actually going back into the game. So it was really kind of um, that first part was setting us up with the the three main main characters and seeing how they went through um, 
the districts and seeing what they were able to see, they they saw a lot more of the rebellion components mm-hmm. in the movie than in the book. Yeah. There was a lot, um, especially once they shifted from giving their own heartfelt speech in District 11 and having um, mm-hmm. you know them respond that way to using only the notes that the Capitol gave them mm-hmm. in their speeches... You know, they were going through the speeches and the crowds were reacting. Like, what do you really think? Tell us how you really feel. Like, you know, calling out to them to really, like, know what is going on. Yeah. So there was a lot more um, kind of dynamic to see when it comes to the greater population and how they were responding to Katniss and PETA and what that looked like from the outside perspective. That actually uh, sounds like a welcome addition because I felt like that part was missing. Like, we saw the big reaction of the crowd and the way that that dynamic worked in District 11, and then we didn't see the interactions at all or get a feel for the energy of the other districts. Aside from when she saw... Excuse me. Wasn't there a brief component where she saw on someone's television something going on in District 8 or something like that? That was before she had left home. She was going to visit uh, Madge, who was the mayor's daughter. Okay. And accidentally... Yep. Accidentally on purpose. Right. Accidentally uh, saw some like special for okay. the mayor's eyes only broadcast about unrest in District 8. So they moved that to being on the train on the Victory Tour. Okay. And so that was part of like her knowledge gathering okay. of the unrest. And so like she is obviously a very aware person. Yeah. And she understands <laughs> all of the things. Um you know, from her District 12 perspective, and she's doing a lot of work to broaden that and trying to, like, you see that when she has to console her team, right? Like, as a traumatized person Uh. who is finding out that, like, she, again, is going to likely die being re-traumatized, but, you know, yes, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry that you have to do my makeup and I'm likely to die. (laughs) I'm sorry for your loss of me. Me. There's something so wrong with that. Yeah, and it's not even that bizarre. Like that's, no, like uh, I mean it is, but it's not even that like uncommon for people to have that response of like I'm so upset by this traumatic thing happening to you. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's not validation or empathy, folks. No, that's centering yourself. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> But she has to do this over and over again with lots of different people um, for various reasons. It's interesting because in the movie, um, there was space between Katniss and Prim where Prim was like, you know, you don't have to worry about me and mom. We're on your side. And so that, I think, took a layer of the worry and the internal stuff that Katniss had to process through in the book Mm -hmm. just and kind of put it in a sidebar where we didn't really have to think about it. Um, But that was a main driving factor for her throughout, like, the whole entire book. So, I don't know where I was going with that other than it's one of the differences that I saw that could potentially explain, you know, the shifting in how Katniss is responding to... Yeah, it's much much more of a puzzle that she only has a few pieces to in the book. 
which is also interesting and makes the big reveal at the end that much more of a, a, a hook. Like, what, what's happening? <clears throat> so, yeah, I don't know. It's hard because the second book in a series just makes you want to continue reading. I don't even have... <laughs> it's hard to be analytical. Like, I just want to read the next book now. No, absolutely. <laughs> I finished it and I was like, okay... Now what? In because Lindsay cheated this time, and she... Oh, I did, yeah. yeah. No, I listened to the whole entire book. Yeah, well, because you did The Hunger Games, and then you did Catching Fire, and then you stopped and watched the movie, yep. and now you're waiting. And now we're having this podcast. <laughs> so that we so can So that start. we can <laughs> do the Mockingjay part. Yeah. But, the th like, this book is the connection piece. And so that's why it is important to have the conversation because you saw Katniss and where she came from and all of those foundational things. Mm -hmm. And we understand, like, what her worst fear is, right? And we've come to that place where it's come true. Mm -hmm. Like, her district has been wiped off the map. She <laughs> has lost this person that mm -hmm. she is trauma-bound to because mm -hmm. of going through an arena with him twice and thinking, you know, that... They're going to die multiple times. A lot. This, Pretty, yeah. What, two years? It hasn't even been two years. No, that's, it's I been like a year. A year. Yeah. yeah. That's that's really bad odds, guys. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Ooh that's bad odds. <laughs> the odds are not in her favor. It's almost like the odds are stacked against her. Like, it's almost like it's been orchestrated that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, it has been. Yeah. The movie shows us this beyond any doubt. Like, yeah. yes, we are... We are coming after you, you little rebel leader, you. The movie just make movies in general often just make things a little bit less subtle because you can't like reread a paragraph about what the character's internal monologue was. You just have that, you know, five seconds of yep, emoting, right. <laughs> And, and then the it. action shot that comes yeah. next and gives you your own emotions. It's right. a really, it's a totally different experience. Yeah. It's one of the reasons that I wanted to make sure that I did listen to the book again because I hadn't seen this movie before. So I didn't have a frame of reference for it. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to make sure that I was getting a fuller picture of right. what the material actually was conveying so that I could attach that to the movie sequences. Because they did a really good job with it, mm -hmm. um, with bringing in enough of the components that there's a full plot line you can follow along, mm -hmm. and it gives you um, the same sensations and the same thoughts. And you have, you know, I, I wanted the same things to be happening, but there are just some subtle things that are shifted enough to be like, well, that changes the. Okay, so for instance. Um, when Gale was being whipped in the square, like, at the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. In the book, that was because he had a turkey on him. Yeah. In the movie, it's because he got aggressive with the new um, head guy. So um, that totally it... reframes, like, Gale's culpability in the whole entire scenario. And his it... characterization in general, it sets him up to be the part of the love triangle that is not chosen because he's too whatever. Yes. <laughs> yes, but also it shifts kind of um, the the thought of um, person in, <laughs> in being the person to be the aggressor that will shift the way that some people view him right. and his role in the rebellion. 
And we can bring that back to the way we talk about like personal responsibility versus systematic brutality. Exactly. Um, yeah, like there's no way that Gail could ever do anything that would put him on equal footing with someone who has that much authority over him and abuses it so gleefully. So there's nothing Gail could have done. It doesn't matter if he had a turkey or if he like punched the guy in the face. No, he tackled him. Like, but it did not. I didn't see the movie. No, (laughs) it's irrelevant. Um, It's not relevant. But then the conversation becomes about, um, you know, you should take your hoodie off, or you shouldn't have spoken back, or you should have called him sir. You should have just done what you were told. Yes, it brings in that component of victim blaming. Yeah. It completely shifts the focus of this person was doing a very harmful thing in a pow- in a position of a lot of power mm-hmm. and there were repercussions for this person that is abusing their power to mm-hmm. why did you confront that person with power? Right. Shame on you for doing right. that thing. There's an authority figure just respect to the authority figure do as you're told right so it was it was a totally different um scene then because it yeah. was you know it's this is your yeah. punishment for doing this bad thing which it is in the book like you had a turkey bad thing but, but like right, but the bad thing is more blatantly like obviously a negative not, a bad thing right in the book. It's like yes he's Hunting in order to survive. Trying to not die. You're right. (laughs) I mean, you can call it poaching on the capital's land if you must. However. Right. Who's that? Never mind. That's a whole. (laughs) So that really dramatically shifts the characterization of Gale and makes it fit in more with the whole, um, what I remember being book three's. Well, and that's why I think it's interesting that at the end of two, they reintroduce Gale, and he's the one to tell Katniss that District 12 is no longer. Mm -hmm. So it sets her up to then, um, in her trauma response, because she's going to freak out about PETA being captured by the Capitol, Mm -hmm. to turn to Gale for all of those things. Um, She doesn't know the extent of Gale's involvement in anything. Mm -hmm. Um, So she's still being manipulated but she's learning about how and by whom and for the sake of what yeah there's definitely a lot of character development that we've seen in Katniss in the last two books so that's been cool I like that she's given space to grow and experience all of her traumas and like react accordingly in ways that maybe not might not be the best ways but that speak to the trauma that she's experienced do you want to know what i absolutely hate about this Mm -hmm. that they lied about her being pregnant not that they lied that she was not the one to lie about her own pregnancy is actually the point is that someone lied about her being pregnant and it wasn't her and it was not with her knowledge or in any way (laughs) That was, I hated that part. I didn't really like that part either. Oh, yeah. They tried to make it better in the movie by having some pre, like, um, it was made explicit that all of the, the victors were going to be going out there and doing whatever they could to get the games canceled. That was subtle, but it was very, very present in the book, and it was it was a nice, yeah, no, it was literally told yeah. to her, like, this is what, you know, people are going to be doing, which is how they excused Peter 
you know, doing right. the whole pregnancy thing. In the book, it was more like a subtle buildup, right? Yeah. Like, it felt like things just kept getting more explicit yeah. as time went on with like, the victors. Like, this is happening. Yeah. 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 And in the movie, the uh, Joanna character was literally, like, cussing out the Capitol. And I'm like, no, she would have been beheaded or right? something. Like, you right have on the to stage. have a little bit of subtlety. You have you to have a little subtlety. It. You can't explicitly be like, I was supposed to live and I'm not, so you all suck. Like, right. <laughs> Reaping from the victors is total horseshit. You should not, like, have me here. Like, that's the best way to get, like beaten and then detongued and <laughs> called oh, an AVOX. <laughs> right? Like, that's totally... Horrifying. Oh, God, yeah, but what well, Joanna deserves, lot. obviously. Just, a lot of things in the book are horrifying, though. The whole series is horrifying. Mm-hmm. So, the main thing that happens is that there's a shift from Peta to Gale, Right? Like, the the triangle is much more explicit now, and it has way more enmeshment now because all of the lies and all of the things that have to happen for appeasement of the capital that doesn't end up working in the long run anyway. Mm -hmm. And so now she's gone through all of these things and enmeshed herself in with PETA. But there's been all of that enmeshment with PETA, um, Mm -hmm. obviously trauma bonding, but now... (laughs) <laughs> now the capital has him and right. she has Gail back and so all of that trauma bonding is going to be happening with Gail and so at the end of the next book I don't know it's going to be this whole now you have to choose she has been set up to do that yeah. and she really just wants to like go and be in the woods and not have not to die not with... have her baby sister die yeah that's really it that's it that's what she wants. That's the whole entire thing. Yep. Nope, you're the Mockingjay. Good luck not dying. We just put a really big target on your back. Oh my gosh, guys. Yeah. Thank you so much. I've always wanted that. <laughs> I mean, it feels like it's kind of sort of always been there. Yeah. What with the whole crushed under the boot heel thing? It's never not been. That's why the trauma. That's why the trauma. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. I feel like the OG Mockingjay was Katniss's dad, and this was all supposed to happen, like, two decades ago or something like, like that. Katniss's dad or Madge's aunt or, right. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been a good time to... Yeah. Maybe they did, and that's why the mine exploded and he died. Maybe. I don't know yet. I like that. I'm going to call that our our conspiracy theory that this was all supposed to happen in the last generation, but then they blew up Katniss's dad. I think that that... Maybe Gail's dad was involved, too. He died in the mining accident, right? right? Exactly. Yeah. They would have much more understanding about District 13 than anyone else. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, the proximity and whatnot. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. I like the thought, though. Carrying on some kind of generational trauma that was supposed to be carried out a long time ago. And she has no choice, so let's go. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like there is going to be a point where she chooses her role. Um, we were talking about off, 
off camera we were talking about her consent in the in her role as the symbol and how mm-hmm. symbols don't necessarily always get to consent if you're in the public eye the public will decide what you symbolize to it and she can choose how she reacts and responds to that mm-hmm. um she hasn't really chosen a response yet at this point. She's just reacting because that makes sense. All of the trauma is right there. Well, and she hasn't been given the space to conceptualize what consenting to this means. Right. And that was kind of why I brought that up because yeah. she's pushed and she's manipulated into making these choices when in all honesty, she has the, the moral kind of underlying components that to me would mean that she would step up into that figurehead role. She was talking to Hamish about rebellion before their victory tour. He already knew about all of this and didn't do anything with that. Been rebellious since forever. It's that's the whole point is that she does have that internal space where she can have these thoughts about mm-hmm. how the capital is awful. <laughs> and she recognizes that not everyone even around her are able to connect those same dots. Mm-hmm. She has no qualms about going and learning how to hunt with her dad when she's a very small child. She right. understands the need to hide all of her weapons in the wood. Like, she gets it. She understands the systemic connections to how she lives this way. And she understands that it's the same but different for everyone in everyone else's districts. But the stakes are high, so the adults in the room decided to just make a decision for her, about her, without her knowing anything, because that would be better. And doesn't that just smack of a girl's agency and her personhood Mm -hmm. and ability to make choices that do affect the entire trajectory of her life? Yep. So instead of bringing her into the fold and explaining the depth of the connections and where they were with the rebellious plotting and giving her information that she could then use to make decisions that would be helpful to everyone. They gave her cryptic hints and decided for her because... And then got mad at her, right, when she wasn't able to, like, do what they wanted her to be able to do. Mm -hmm. Which, again... Isn't that just, like, how we engage with people in general? We make fucking assumptions, Mm -hmm. and then we get pissed when people don't meet our expectations, even though we aren't even able to articulate our expectations most of the time because we assume that people should just know what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. That's not how any of that works. You have to be able to say what you are thinking and leave space for people to react how they're going to react. Katniss deserve that space. Everyone deserves that space. And hardly anyone gets it. So start creating that space, guys. <laughs> I'm going to narrow that down a little bit and say teenage girls deserve that space. As a culture, we are awful to teenage girls. It's one of the things I really like about this book that Katniss is 16 when we meet her. She's mm-hmm. 17 now. She is allowed to have a full range of emotions and trauma responses. She's allowed to carry her baggage in a way that doesn't make her an unlikable character. She's not bratty when she's surly. When she's selfish, it's like, well, yeah, 
Sometimes you just have to take a moment and wallow because everything is shit. That's valid. I I really appreciate all of the space that Katniss has in the narrative. Um, not in the plot, mm-hmm. but in the narrative to be a wounded human person mm-hmm. who is also a teenage girl. Mm-hmm. Um, who is learning how to be a person because it's the whole cusp of adulthood or whatever. So I really, really like that. Um, and there is the issues that she comes up against that are more like just issues of consent, issues of adults, specifically adult males making decisions for her, um, about her, about her body without her knowledge or consent or that's irrelevant to them. Those are things that, that directly mirror life as a teenage girl. No. And it's not, it's not just them, right? It's them fulfilling their roles Mm -hmm. in what is expected of them is, just to do these things to her and she's not like supposed to <laughs> it's not relevant it's, yeah yeah <laughs> it's and that's really really interesting when you have people um like from the capital who are like even Cinna. like i love him as yeah. a character and what he does but every time he creates a costume for her it's one step closer to creating that symbolic she is the Mockingjay until literally he turns her wedding dress into a Mockingjay outfit. Uh-huh. He's still put in the position of making decisions without her knowledge or consent. But that's his whole job as a costumer is oh, to yeah. present her and to cultivate others' perceptions of her. So With maybe, the intention of her surviving this, like, battle to the death. So, like, I understand that him being good at his job is a good thing for her in theory, except in cases like this where yeah, <laughs> that perception that he's driving everyone to is cataclysmic for the social culture that they're both in. Right. And she does not have enough awareness around what those larger repercussions are going to be. Mm-hmm. So how is this not like dressing up, I don't know, a child in some weird, and then just, here you go. I don't have a good analogy right now. Well, it's like, um, it's like some people get really upset when people take their children to protests, um, right? Yes. Because they don't know what they're there for. They're adding to the numbers and the overall, like, feel they could be in danger because protests can get violent depending on what's going on around them. Um, So people get really upset about that. And like this, she's 17. She's, she doesn't have any awareness of what's actually, I mean, she has built up as much awareness as she was capable of with everybody withholding information from her. She's not stupid. No, She's, She's actually far more aware than, like, I would be in that situation um, as far as putting together the pieces of the the rebellions happening around the other districts. But they, she doesn't know what the repercussions would be because she's shielded from that. So, yeah, there's, there's a comparison of, like, how is that um, ethical? And then... Do ethics just go out the window because it's a crisis situation? It's really important. I mean, what are ethics? Right? 
like at what point is it morally right or wrong for What's you wrong? to take your child to a protest for you to dress up the 17 year old girl knowing that you're setting her up to be a symbol without her knowledge because it's really important what's important like <laughs> it's I love Sina. I don't know what was the right choice for him to make. What's right? <laughs> right. No, exactly. Especially when you're living in that kind of explicitly, uh, I don't even know, authoritarian doesn't seem to even scratch the surface of what's going on there because mm-hmm. everyone, they're literally murdering people just for like... Right having opinions and you know they're all slaves in their own special way (sighs) that in itself is violent right Right. living the way that they're living is violent so even though Sinna's actions towards Katniss are violent in their own way because they remove her consent Mm -hmm. does that violence equal the other no like not in any way shape or form just because of scale (laughs) (laughs) so then it's like um the good of the one versus the good of the many and is Katniss as an individual person not then um deserving or inherently worth that ability Mm -hmm. because removing her ability to say yes means that potentially all of the population then is going to benefit right Like, that's kind of what they're trying to say. Sacrifice yourself for the greater good. (laughs) I had an eye roll because that's a conversation that I just had with Lindsay not long ago. There's a theme about self-sacrifice being, like, the ultimate good. Um, Like, that's the ultimate way to, like, redeem a character is have them sacrifice themselves. It it is the ultimate good. Christ, like, washed clean through the act of self-sacrifice. When really the only thing that she has to repent for is literally being a poor girl. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. That's it. Yeah, that's what she did wrong. That's the whole entire... Mm -hmm. And not even that. Like, a poor girl who loves her sister. That's that's really it. It's that she wasn't um, acclimated enough or she wasn't assimilated enough to the culture to just be like, bye, Prim. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Which is what everyone else in the whole damn country does. Yeah. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. For 75 years. It's fine. It's fine. This is just how we live now, guys. Uh-huh. <sighs> Gotta read the next book now, I think. So Mockingjay has two movies. Yeah. I didn't know that. I haven't seen that one either. That's exciting. Goes to watch two movies. Ah, and read a book. Yay! Ah. <laughs> or you're doing the audiobooks, aren't you? Yeah, they're reading to me. It's better. Okay. Uh-huh. That's cool. Because I haven't seen these either. Obviously, I didn't even know there were two of them. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to get started on that one. And also finish my book about backyard beekeeping. Yeah. <laughs> it's a 
very different subject material. Very different. So we've got one more installment for this series. And then if you guys have anything that you would like us to be discussing, I am super interested to know if there are any um, books that have been adapted at any point in time. <laughs> Uh, that you would like to have a conversation about. If there is something, you can go ahead and drop us a comment below, and we will make sure that we take that into consideration when we are creating our May content list. Awesome. All right, we will be back next week, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. You can join the conversation in our Facebook group. The page, facebook.com forward slash realbooked, will direct you there. If you want to support us and get more content, find us on Patreon. And you can always email us directly at realbooked at gmail.com. All music in this episode provided by purple-planet.com. Hope, Hope we, we hear, hear from, from you, you soon. soon. <laughs>